Our world is filled with so much hurt, so much tragedy. Our nation is filled with so much anger. Sometimes you look around and you say, how can we continue going down the road that we're going down right now? In fact, one of the great concerns that I have is that um, talking about the rest of the story of what happened in Rwanda is that that was not the first time that a genocide had taken place in Rwanda. In fact, it had happened generations before. And what had taken place was that the bitterness and the anger and the hatred from one generation to another generation had been passed down. And hate and anger filled another generation. I was in Yugoslavia when Yugoslavia was breaking up and I was, I had rented a car and I walked up to the car rental counter and um, I was talking to the guy there and he asked me, he says, have you heard about the conflict between the Serbians and the Croatians? And, and I said, uh, yes, I've heard about it, but I really didn't want to get into talking to him about it because I knew it was very volatile and people could get very angry uh, very quickly. And so I said to him, yes, I, I, I've, I've heard about that, but uh, I, I really don't want to talk about that. And he said, well, I'll tell you something. He said, I have friends who are Croatians. He says, I'm Serbian. He said, in fact, some of my friends were in my wedding party. He said, but I would kill them in a minute. And I looked at him in utter astonishment. And I said, why? And he began to talk about World War II and what had happened in World War II between the Serbians and the Croatians. And I said, wait a minute, you weren't even born at that time. This was a young guy. And I said, you weren't even born at that time. Why would you kill them? And he went into all of this detail of what had happened. And I realized something, that the anger and the hate and the bitterness of his father had been passed to him for a new generation. And, and I look around today and I see what is happening in our country and whatever side of the political or cultural or whatever spectrum you're on, one of the things I see is that the level of the lack of civility and being able to talk with one another, the anger, the bitterness, the hatred. And I asked myself the question that I asked when I was in Rwanda. And when I was in Rwanda and, and, and Billy Haunch and Gary Maroney and I were there and, and we saw the, the devastation and how things that, that were just inhumane could take place. And we said, how could this happen? How could people get to the point where they would, where they would do such awful things? How could it happen? And I, I find myself asking that question today in our own country. How did we get here? How did we get here where we, we're filled with so much anger and so much hatred and, and there's so much animosity between people, even families being torn apart? And I, I'm convinced that a lot of this goes back to what has happened in our family lives. Some of it goes back throughout our history, but a lot of it goes to our family lives because our families have been so ripped apart that there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of bitterness, 
And so what happens is that plays out at our jobs. It plays out at our schools. It plays out in the communities. It plays out on the political stage. And so we we have this, this conflict that is going on. And I am convinced that our only hope is a great revival that brings us back to really seeing who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. And the great need in our nation, the great need in our communities, the great need in San Antonio, the great need in our homes and in our families is a fresh touch from heaven where we see him for who he is and what he has done. Now, I want to read to you a passage of Scripture that I believe tells us what has happened to us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 and beginning with verse 21. And, and I, I'm going to, to read this passage of Scripture to you. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as, many as <clears throat> and how many times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Now, seven is a number of perfection. And Jesus says, you have to completely forgive and perfection forgive. But I want to tell you what I mean. Now, if you don't get it, seven times 70, the big seven O times seven. That's how many times you have to forgive. And I'm sure the guys were shocked as they, they heard what Jesus said. And then listen to what he says. He, he tells a story. And by the way, uh, uh, Jesus talked in parables a lot. He told stories. And a parable is simply a story about life. And so he's going to teach them something about life through this story. And listen to what he says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to um, <clears throat> excuse me? Who wished to settle an account with his servants? When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, "Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything." And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants and owed him a thousand, who owed him a, a hundred denarii and seized him. And he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me, and should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers and, and, until he should pay all his debt. 
So my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, forgiveness is at the very core and center of the Christian faith. In fact, forgiveness is really uh, what differentiates Christianity from every other major religion because we receive forgiveness not on the basis of any of our merit, of anything that we have done, but the forgiveness that we receive comes because of what Jesus Christ did. Now, when Jesus told this parable, this story about life, and it affects you and me and our lives and how we are to live, he made a comparison, and he, and he took two servants, and, and we are like the servant. And, and he talked about a king, and this king who came, and, and this king whose these servants owed him money, owed him, had a, a big debt for him, and he, and he began to call them into account. And he, and, he, and he told this one servant, you need to pay your debt. And what he owed him was more than this servant could accumulate in all of his life. No matter how hard he worked, no matter how long of hours he worked, no matter what he did, he would never be able to repay the king. And he knew it. He knew his only hope was for the king to forgive him. Now remember, Jesus is telling this story when, when the, the disciples asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive our brothers, uh, our brother who, who sins against us? I mean, when should this stop? When should this come to an end? And so Jesus is saying, uh, uh, there's a king, and this king is owed money by this servant. This servant can never repay him. He owes him so much money, he could work all of his life and never be able to repay him. And so he cast himself on the ground, and he begins to beg, and he begins to plead, and he says, Master, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please take this step. Be patient. Give me time. Just be patient. Have mercy on me. And the master forgives him. Now, there's something we need to understand about this is that you and I are like that man. There is no way, no matter how much we do, no matter how many times you go to church, no matter how much you watch Christian things on Facebook or how much you watch Christian television or anything else, there's no amount of times you can come to church and raise your hands and sing and praise the Lord and do all of these things that will get you forgiveness. You and I owe him so much. That in all of our lifetimes, in fact, all, no matter how old you live to be, you can never achieve forgiveness in your own power. For forgiveness comes from God, the one who is the true king, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords, and we are forgiven not because of anything that we do. We are forgiven by the grace of God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we receive forgiveness. I remember when I became a Christian and Christ came into my life, 
there were a lot of things that happened that night. That, you know, it was just a, a total transformation. In fact, I was changed. You know, Jesus told his disciples after he had died on the cross, was buried, and arose from the grave, he appeared to them in Luke chapter 24, and he told them to go and preach the gospel of repentance and forgiveness to all the nations. Now, repentance is a change, a change of heart, a change of mind. That was made available to us because of his resurrection. We don't have the power to change, but because God raised Jesus from the dead, he gives us by his spirit coming to dwell within us, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now living in us, and we can change. You see, I was a captive. I was a slave to my sin. Now, when Christ came into my heart, he set me free. Now, that doesn't mean that I never sin, but it does mean this. I'm no longer a slave to sin. It does mean this. It means that now, you see, I can, I can live. I have the power within me to live for Christ, to do what he wants me to do and become what he wants me to become. But we receive forgiveness by what he did on the cross, because on the cross, you see, when he hung on the cross, oh my, Jesus hung on the cross. And when he was dying on the cross, he looked towards heaven and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the father turned his back on the son. Do you know why? Because the son took every sin, every evil, every dark thing, every dark thought, every dark attitude, everything inside of you that you've ever thought, felt, or done. And not only you, but you and you and you and me. And every person in this city and every person in this nation and every person in this world, not only this generation, but generations past and generations to come, Jesus on the cross, on the cross, he took the punishment. He took all of that sin upon himself and the father turned his back on the son because the father could not look upon sin and he who knew no sin on the cross became sin for us that you and I might be made the very righteousness of God. Oh, I tell you, that night when I heard about Jesus and I sat in a service just like this service and I heard a man talk about Jesus and how Jesus had changed his life and what Jesus could do. And he said, if you want to know Jesus, I want to invite you to come and pray with me right here at the front of this church. And I went to the front of that church and I knelt down and I prayed and I called on the name of the Lord and something happened in me. First of all, by the power of his resurrection, I walked out of that church a brand new person. But I want to tell you something. There was something else that happened on the inside of me. I walked into that church, and it was like I was carrying this heavy load. And when I knelt, and I looked to Jesus, and I put my faith in Jesus, that load fell off. And I, I can tell you, say, Sammy, did you feel anything? Yes, I felt something. I felt forgiveness. Now, it's not our feelings that make us forgiven. 
It's what Jesus did on the cross. And whether I would have felt it or not, he had, forg- he had provided the forgiveness for me. I was forgiven. I can tell you, I walked out of that church. And, 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 and for the first time in my life, I, I had never experienced anything like it because I knew I was forgiven. Seventy times seven, perfectly, completely, absolutely, I was forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so you and I are like that man. You see, there's no hope for us to forgive ourselves. The only thing we can do is come and cast ourselves before him and say, Oh God, I need you. God, without you, I can do nothing. Lord, I can't change myself. I can't forgive myself. I need you. I thank you. I put my faith in what you did on the cross. I'm trusting in the cross. I'm trusting in Jesus and what he did, his sacrifice for my sins. And when you do that, something happens that changes you forever because you are forgiven. We sang about the love and the grace and the mercy of God today. And all oh, the love and grace and mercy is so wonderful. I remember after I came to know Christ, I, uh, about six months later, I was going to LSU at the time, but I transferred to a Christian college. I wanted to learn the Bible, and I went to that Christian college. And I remember one night, I was in my dorm room, and, and it was back when we had records, you know, these big records. And I, I had a, a, a record of a, a Christian songs. And, and I put that record on, and one of them was about the cross. And I started listening to that song about what Jesus did on the cross, how he died so that I could be forgiven. And I was so overwhelmed that I left my dorm room, and I went out to a lake. And, and there was, a, there was a, a, a pier that went out over the lake, and I was just went out on, and that night, and I was, had my hands lifted towards heaven, and I was just telling God, I love you. I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord. I can never repay you. Thank you for what you've done. And I got so excited, I fell off the pier right into the lake. And I said, I still love you. <laughs> I love you more. Oh, and I want to tell you something. I don't want to get over what he did on the cross for me. You see, so many times we get caught up in the peripheral, and and we need to come back to the very center, the very core, the very foundation of what Jesus Christ did. He died on a cross that you and I might be forgiven. Now, remember this, that he told his disciples, he said, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, well, I think there's some implications in that. One implication is you've got to be willing to suffer for Christ. They're suffering in the Christian life. I I don't know if you realize that. Just because you come to know Christ doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. There will be times of suffering. There will be times of pain. There will be times of hurt that will come across your life. You have to be willing to suffer for Christ. But there's a second thing that I believe it means. I, I believe it means that we need to every day take the cross and be reminded of what he did, that we live by grace, we move by grace, we are saved by grace, we, we live our lives completely by grace, we need to embrace the cross, we need, to, we need to taste of the grace of God every single day. Now what does that mean? First of all, it means this, that when we do something wrong, when we fail, 
instead of trying to hide it, instead of trying to sweep it under the carpet, we need to be quick to say, God, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? Uh, You see, one of the great problems we have today is, is a lack of willingness to say, I am wrong. And why, why are we so unwilling to say that? Because the grace of God is sufficient. The grace of God is there for us. What he did on the cross is eternal. You see, the difference in the sacrifice uh, of, of the Old Testament and, the, and what Jesus Christ did is that his sacrifice is perfect. His sacrifice is eternal. It's not just for one sin. They had to continually come back and offer a lamb, offer a, a, a lamb without blemish because they continually sinned. But when Jesus Christ died, he died once and for all to take the punishment for our sins. Oh, glory to God. Every sin I've ever committed in the past, every sin I'll ever commit in the future, every sin that I'll ever commit right now, every time I blow it, every time I mess up, he has forgiven me. Oh, the grace of God. Now, that is not a license for sin. That's not a license to say, well, oh, look, he's forgiven me in the future. No matter what I do, I can go out and live the way I want to live. No, that's not a license for sin. What it is, it's a license for love, to love him. Oh, I tell you, because of his great love, I want to love him. I want to love him. I've never been loved by anyone. No one ever loved me like Jesus loved me. I tell you, I have the sweetest wife in the world, and she has loved me, but she can't compare to the love that Jesus Christ had for me and for you. I love her, but my love for her can't compare to his love for her. And oh, the love of God is so wonderful, and it's expressed in the cross. So when we fail, when we mess up, we need to be quick to say, I was wrong. That's why 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me like the older I get, the more mistakes I make. I, I thought it was going to be different. I thought it was the older I get, the fewer mistakes I'd make. But it seems like I make more mistakes the older I get. And it seemed like since I turned 70, <laughs> they seem to be multiplying. But you know what? I just want to be quick to say, hey, I messed up. My fault. Forgive me. And, and, and we, need to, we need to be quick. We, we need to be what, like, like this servant was in the very beginning where, where he said, I can't do this. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. And we need to go before God and ask God to forgive us. And if we have failed someone else, if we have hurt someone else, we need to be quick to go to them and humble ourselves. You see, the the position of this servant in the very beginning was the position of humility. And the Bible says that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. And when we humble ourselves, and this is what he did, he humbled himself, and because he humbled himself, then the grace was poured out. And when Jesus said, if you would take up your cross, the cross was not a symbol of of, of popularity. The cross was a symbol of shame. The cross was identified with thieves and robbers and, and all kinds of 
people who had done lots of things wrong, murderers. And Jesus said, take up your cross. In other words, we live from a position of humility. Uh, I have a friend named Ron Dunn who used to say that uh, when someone criticizes you, if you would just understand if they knew the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, that that would be much worse than the criticism. You wouldn't get so upset with the criticism. And, and it's right. I mean, anything anyone can say about me is not nearly as bad as, as the truth. I'm a sinner. I'll tell you who Sammy Tippett is. Sammy Tippett is a sinner saved by the grace of God. That's who I am, period. I, I am simply a person who has failed God, who's fallen flat on my face. I fail people. I fail my wife. I fail my children. I fail many, many times. And the only reason I can stand here this morning is because of the grace of God. And so we take up our cross and we come from a point of humility, not a point of pride, not a point of look what kind of person I am. Look how great of a Christian I am. Look what I've done for the Lord. Look what I, how I've served the Lord. No, I don't care what you've done. If, if you've done anything, it's all by his grace. We are who we are and what we are by his grace. I have a friend, Truman Herring. He was the first person to ever share Christ with me. We were in the uh, seventh grade in junior high school back then, they call it. And, and we were in the seventh grade. And Truman came and he, he shared Jesus with me. I did not become a Christian, but I never forgot Truman sharing Christ with me. And Truman, since a young boy, has been serving the Lord. Today, he's a pastor in Florida. Serving the Lord. Just, just giving his, he called me this week. He's just serving the Lord. And, and Truman, when he, first, uh, when he first went into the ministry, he, he, he went out to Arizona to pray and fast for 40 days. Now, I was a new Christian at this time, and I had just surrendered to the ministry. And, and so I, I had never heard of anyone doing such a thing. Truman grew up in the, in the church, and so he had some idea of all of this. And, but, but he was going out to the desert in Arizona to spend 40 days praying and fasting. And I thought, man, this is weird. And so uh, he came through. Matter of fact, my wife and I had just been married. We were living here in San Antonio. And, and Truman came through, and uh, he, <laughs> he stopped at my house. He told me what he was going to do. And I said, well, Truman, why are you doing this? He said, I just, I just feel like I need direction for my life, and I want to I seek God and ask God to give me some direction for my life. And so I'm going to go out there. I'm bringing my Bible. I'm bringing some liquids and some water and some things, and, and I'm just going to get away with God and, and, and just seek him and ask him for direction for my life. I said, okay. I said, are you coming back through San Antonio? He said, yeah. I said, I want you to stop, and whatever God tells you, tells you in the desert, I want to hear it. I mean, I'd never heard of anyone 40 days doing something like this. I said, I want to hear what God has to say to you. So he went out to Arizona, 40 days. He came back through San Antonio. He stopped, came to our home. I said, well, Truman, what did God tell you? He said, Sammy, I read the Bible. I prayed. I read the Bible. I prayed. I read the Bible. I prayed. But to be honest with you, I only heard one thing. I said, what was that? He said, you know, before I went to the desert, I used to say, I'd see people who were drunks, and I'd say, man, that's terrible. I'd never do that. I'd see people who would abuse their wives, and I'd say, oh, that's terrible. I'd never do that. I'd see people who commit adultery, and I'd say, oh, that's terrible. I'd never do that. 
And God spoke to my heart, and he said this to me. You can never again say that. The only thing you can say is, by the grace of God, I'll never do that. It is only by his grace that I am able to live the way I ought to live. And you see, that's the spirit. That's the heart. And and that's why we take heed for when we think we stand, then we'll fall. For when you think you're standing, that's when pride and arrogance rises up. But when you humble yourself and you say, oh God, I need you today. I need you then God's grace gives you the strength. He gives you the power to rise up and to be the person that he wants you to be. But now, there's something even more than this. Not only do you have the grace to to live, you have the grace to be forgiven when you do fail, but you have the grace to forgive others. For you see, there was another servant. And this other servant owed this man, and remember this man, this one servant, this first servant, owed the king uh, enough that he could never repay him in all of his life. But he had a fellow servant who owed him, owed him about 100 denarii, which was about equivalent of one day's worth of wages. Uh, in other words, if he went out and worked real hard one day, he could, he could pay back the debt. And, and, and he came to this man and he asked him for forgiveness. And the servant who had been forgiven said, no, I'm going to have you thrown in jail because you won't uh, pay my debt right now. I'm not going to have patience with you. I'm not going to have mercy on you. I'm not going to show you grace, so you go to jail. Well, the fellow servants in this group heard about this, and they went and told the master, the king. And when the king heard about this, he came, and he, he, he grabbed this man, and he said, listen, you are going to jail. And he turned them over to the jailers. Now, there's a question I had when I read this passage of Scripture, and that is, who is the jailer? I mean, we know who all of the, the, the fellow servants is. You know, there'll be some of you who will fail me. And by the way, uh, you know, sometimes people become Christians and they think, oh, man, this is going to be great. Well, you know, nobody's going to ever hurt me. I'm, 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 I'm part of the Christian group. And, and, and I can tell you right now, that being a Christian does not mean that you're never going to be hurt by another Christian. Christians are sinners saved by grace. And so Christians are going to mess up too. Christians are going to hurt you just like anyone else would because we are all feeble people. We are all uh, still, as long as we have this flesh on this earth, we're going to fail. And so we're going to hurt one another, and there's going to be conflicts that will arise. There are going to be things that are going to happen between us where things will be said, things will happen. And and what happens is, is if you're not living by grace, if you're not allowing the grace of God to flood you and fill you, you can become angry and you can become bitter. And I believe the jailer in this passage is anger and bitterness. And I believe that's exactly where our our situation has come from today. We have lost sight of the great, mighty work of Jesus on the cross. And it has made us an angry people. And when someone fails us, when someone hurts us, when someone does something to us, oh, I tell you, we must, we must forgive. 
Oh, we, we cannot, no matter who it is, no matter what it is, no matter what has happened, we must forgive. You say, well, Sammy, what if someone is in a, an abusive relationship? What if someone is in danger of their lives because of a relationship? I'm not saying you need to, 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 to subject yourself to your life being taken. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that the person who's doing this should not be held accountable. That's not what I'm saying. That's a whole different issue. Okay? What I'm saying is in your heart, in your heart, you must draw from the grace of God and forgive that person. That's why when that mayor said what he said in Butare, in Rwanda, when he said, I forgave him. I, I mean, I was shocked. I said, how, how could, I mean, that's not natural. And it wasn't natural, but it was supernatural. And then he said to me, Sammy, you see, I cannot hold this in my heart. Now, that man has to be held accountable. That man has to go to prison. That man has to pay for his crimes. And that man has to, he, he has to be held accountable for what he's done. There must be justice. Just as there is forgiveness, there must be justice. But in my heart, in my heart, I cannot hold this anger. I cannot hold this bitterness. And that man knew a great truth because, you see, the hope for the future of Rwanda lie in this, that if he forgave him, then he can move on with his life. If he did not forgive him, that bitterness and that anger would be passed on to the next generation. And this thing would be a cycle and it would just grow and grow and grow and grow. And that's where the grace and the forgiveness of God comes in. The past couple of weeks, I was, uh, I was asked several weeks ago to, to lead, take some leadership in a particular organization and I, I, I accepted that, but I told them because I had known some of the history that there was a, 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 a broken relationship between this organization and another organization who had the same goal, the same vision to share Christ. And, 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 and oh, it broke my heart to see this brokenness. And I said, the thing that you need to understand is if you want me to be a leader in this organization, I'm going to go to the leader of that other organization and humble myself before him and ask forgiveness. And I did that. And I want to tell you something. God's blessings begin to flow. God's blessings begin to flow. You see, as human beings... As brothers and sisters in Christ, when someone hurts us, we cannot hold it in. If we hold it in, then what's going to happen is that, that we are going to become an angry, bitter people. And do you know what? That will color everything that we do. That will color our Christianity. That will color our faith. And we'll never become like Jesus. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross. What does the cross mean? Jesus hung on the cross. Let's look at what it means. When Jesus hung on the cross, he looked at those who nailed him to the cross. He looked at those who spat in his face. He looked at those who ridiculed him. He looked at those who made fun of him. And as he hung on the cross, and he looked down at those who hated and despised and 
crucified him. He said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Grace, amazing grace. Incredible grace. Marvelous grace flows from Jesus to those who are doing him wrong. He had done no wrong to know there was not a person on this planet that he ever did any wrong to. He's the only human being who lived a sinless, perfect, holy life, who loved God perfectly, who loved man perfectly. He's the only person who lived that way, and yet they did that to him. And he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Years ago, a man did something to me that hurt me deeply, and I struggled in my prayer life because the jailer, I was a captive. I was in jail, so to speak, in my heart because I couldn't forgive this person because of what he had said, what he had done that had hurt me. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Sammy, you have to forgive him. And I began to argue with the Lord. And I said, Lord, but don't you understand what he did to me? And I'll never forget the Holy Spirit saying to me, Sammy, don't you understand what you did to me? It was not Jews. It was not Romans who crucified my son. He could have called 10 legions of angels to take him off the cross. Sammy, it was your sins. You murdered my son. It was you. If you alone were the only sinner, he would have died for you. He died on that cross for you, Sammy. You are the one that killed my son. And I forgave you. I forgave you. You did not deserve it. I forgave you. And if you don't have it in your own physical flesh to forgive that man, I want you to reach deep into your heart and take some of that grace that I placed in your heart and you pull out that grace by faith and you forgive him. And I said, Father, I forgive that man. And I want to tell you what, do you know what happened? I got a card that said, get out of jail free. <laughs> and I was, I was no longer, man, I began to worship the Lord. My prayer life, I just began to explode in worship and adoration and praise. And that joy of the Lord was restored to me. And the freshness of my love for Jesus. And I just began to worship him. And oh, I want to tell you what, I want to say to you, don't be taken captive by the jailers of bitterness and guilt. Come before the Lord and just say, Lord, cleanse me, forgive me. Lord, I take your grace, I accept your grace because of what Jesus did on the cross and I forgive that man who hurt me. I forgive that woman who hurt me. I forgive that person because you forgave me. 
Lord, I cast myself prostrate before you, saying, I need you, and I forgive those who've hurt me. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for the supernatural grace of God. I thank you, Father, that your son Jesus died for us, for me. Lord, I pray that this morning there will be a release of your grace and your mercy in our lives. Oh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. Father, I pray that, Lord, all of the, 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 the masks that we put on would be taken off, that there would be honesty, there would be grace, there would be mercy, there would be humility, there would be forgiveness, not only in us but towards others. Oh, God, I pray that you would come and minister to us. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder how many of you say, Sammy, there's somebody I need to forgive. Would you pray for me that today I draw from God's grace and just forgive that person? Would you just lift up your hand and say, pray for me, Sammy. There's somebody I need to forgive. Amen. Amen. Many of us here, all right. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters who, Lord, just need a, a fresh outpouring of grace in their hearts to forgive that person who has hurt them. Give them that grace, Father. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord. I pray for them. Lord, give them the grace. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, one other question. I wonder how many of you say, Sam, pray for me. I, I know there's some areas where I've really messed up. I failed, and I need God's grace in my own life. Would you just lift up your hand and say, pray for me, Sammy? All right. All right. Any others? All right. All right. Okay. Father, I thank you for these. Lord, I pray that your grace would be poured out upon them, would be shed abroad, that your love would just cover them right now, that, Father, they would just, they would just prostrate themselves before you, come before you, and cry out to you, that, Father, your grace would just flow from heaven, from the throne of God, from the what Jesus did on the cross. I pray that your grace would just pour into their hearts today. Thank you for what you're going to do. I believe you, Father, for this work of grace. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to ask our, our prayer partners just to come up here right now, if you would. And I'm going to ask us to stand, and, and I'm going to close us out in prayer. And if God spoke to your heart, you lifted your hand. I'm going to ask you to just come pray with one of our prayer partners. And, and then the other rest of you can just leave and slip out as you would like. Father, I ask you right now to just, I pray for a, a, an amazing work of grace in the hearts and lives of those who lifted their hands, of those who even didn't but were afraid to. But Lord, you, you know who they are. And, and Lord, I pray that you would just work mightily. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.